Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 18, The Negotiation. In this episode, two employees negotiate for their salaries, Angela gets horny, and we see the fallout from last episode. And that is where we start this week's episode. We see right away that Roy is kind of stalking the outside of the building, waiting for Jim. It's kind of hard to tell like what time of day it is it seems as though it kind of seems like he's waiting for him to come out it's the end of the work day right and so there are people kind of moving in and out and roy eventually seems like he just kind of gets tired of waiting or maybe he was waiting for fewer witnesses or i don't know what the deal was but he goes in to the office he sees jim and he confronts him and then he charges at him Yes, he first kind of pauses to look at Pam. Pam realizes what Roy is about to do as Roy sort of makes a move to lunge. In between the cuts to Roy in the parking lot, we see Jim and Karen having a conversation at Jim's desk about their weekend plans. Karen wants to go to a movie. Pam is sort of annoyed at hearing about their date plans. So that when Roy comes and then sort of lunges and makes that move towards Jim, Jim sort of shoves Karen out of the way. Pam yells, Roy, as in she finally realizes what's happening. And then boom, Dwight stands up and sprays pepper spray. He reacts pretty much instantaneously. Jim never gets touched by Roy. Then Dwight explains to the camera crew that every day for eight years, he has carried pepper spray with him in order to protect himself and his fellow employees. And every day for eight years, people laughed at them. But look who's laughing now. And everyone has tears streaming down their face because there's a lot of pepper spray used. I am uh, very surprised that Roy wouldn't have needed some sort of medical attention. Yeah. One of the results of this interaction is Jim is very confused on several fronts. The kind of more playful side of it is he feels grateful for Dwight's assistance in this situation. He's trying to figure out a way to kind of show that appreciation. And Dwight is just being a real weirdo about all of this in that he refuses to accept any sort of recognition for the the good deed that he has done. Yes, he does not consider what he did heroic, uh, brave, anything. He says that he saw someone breaking the law and he interceded. And a citizen doesn't get an award for being a citizen. He does not see it as anything other than that. And I don't know if that goes back to his Lackawanna County volunteer sheriff days. But he also describes several times over the course of the episode who he considers to be a hero. And they are fictional characters. Right. And I think that was the that's the funniest part of this for me is that line of 
citizens don't accept gifts from other citizens for their good deeds or whatever. Right, for being so he thinks he's a cop here. Like (laughs) that's the cop thing. It's like people can't you can't give a gift to a cop because they you know found the guy that stole your car stereo or whatever. Like they're just doing their job. They can't get gifts for that. They have to be like, no, sorry, I can't take these baseball tickets or whatever you're trying to give me. And I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring that up with him being, or a former volunteer sheriff of him being like, like that would have been funnier if they'd be like, nope, sorry, as a volunteer Lackawanna County Sheriff, I am, I can't accept it true. He's not that anymore. He quit, right. But yes, I, he is just, like I said, he's just going over the top with this whole good deed, like just being a good person, being a good citizen and stopping a crime as he puts it. Jim genuinely wants to thank Dwight. First, he tries to give him a display case for his bobblehead that he has on his desk. Then he says, how about a beer or let me take you to lunch? Dwight rejects all of these. Then Jim tries to just give him a certificate that the Lackawanna County Sheriff's Department probably uses for children that just do nice things. Because Dwight says there's a bear dressed as a sheriff on it. And he throws this certificate away. Jim confides in Karen saying, I just don't know what to do for him. Every time I try and mess with him, he never sees it coming. And now when I genuinely am trying to do something kind and thankful, he just is so suspicious. Karen is sort of uh, tough here. Yeah, she's a little dismissive. Very much so. She's like, hey, you know what you should actually do? Just go out and sell paper so we can take a trip. She does not want to talk about it. But she does provide him with some kind of introspective here in asking, do you think that all of this is has to do with you feeling bad about all the pranks that you've played on him? And that could be because Dwight didn't hesitate. Right, and Jim's like, yeah, yeah, probably. But yes, after that, point is made she's just like go just go do your job something a little more serious that jim is dealing with is what is the status of his relationship with pam at this point because you have to imagine that the girl there's not really a textbook for how you handle the girl that you used to have a crush on that you professed your love to despite the fact she was engaged and then you moved on to another girlfriend, but that girl broke up with her fiance, who then tried to beat you up because she told him that she kind of liked you too. There's not really a textbook for that situation. <laughs> no. And so there's definitely a weird vibe between Jim and Pam right now. And that is definitely on display in one scene when. Pam is trying to kind of apologize to Jim for the role that she has played in what happened. Pam was sitting in the break room and Jim walked in to get something from the vending machine. Now, if Jim really didn't want to talk to her, he could have decided not to come into the break room. 
I would argue. So Pam just says, hey, I'm really sorry. I almost got you killed. Like tries to be jokey about it. Going back to sort of the base of their relationship. And Jim's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. He sort of brushes it off. He's keeping her at arm's length a little bit. Then Pam says, you know, I was really stupid to get back with Roy. And Jim is very dismissive. He's very aloof in this situation. Sort of a little below the belt in his response. Absolutely. Um, where he's like, oh man, you guys seem to really have a solid connection though. I'm sure someday you'll find your way back to one another. And I think he says this because he's really hurt. Think back to Phyllis's wedding. At Phyllis's wedding, Jim told the cameras that if he thought Pam was interested, he might think about it. Well, that's when he sees Pam and Roy holding hands. And again, it's this gut check to Jim. Like, seriously, how many times is this woman going to spurn me for this terrible guy? Like, I'm always on the losing end. And this is sort of self-preservation by Jim. It's his read of the situation. But it's it's pretty harsh. It's, it's almost like an I told you so moment. But yeah. Jim obviously never told her so. So he is kind of having this internal struggle. Because he knew this was going to happen, and yet here it is. Yeah. Probably not to this level, obviously, but he knew that this was going to come crashing down somehow. And here it is, and his thought is, well, Pam, you you only have yourself to blame here. That's a good interpretation, because he never thought Roy was really worth anything as Pam's partner for all of season two. If there is any good to come out of this situation, it is Angela who is taking all of it in a very, very odd way. Angela missed the melee in the office. She had already left for the weekend. And she realizes that she can vicariously live through others' experiences of the event. By which I mean, Oscar tells her that Roy's got to come in to pick up his paycheck. Just FYI, Kevin's response is, oh man, I can't believe I missed it. It was so crazy. And then Oscar describes what he saw. Angela's reaction is to really get turned on by hearing about her boyfriend being the hero. And there's another level to this because... We have talked about the weird crush that she has on Roy as well. So you have Roy being this big domineering person, like fighting for his woman's honor, if you will, in a kind of a weird way. But that's what's happening here. Yeah, machoism way. And then the person that Angela is interested in takes this person out. And so it is kind of this different levels type thing for Angela here. Yes. So throughout the day, Angela hears the story from Oscar, Karen, Kelly. She tries to get it from Creed, but he goes off on this weird uh, lie-packed rant before just getting Toby's file off of Toby's desk. And because Toby took everyone's story, that's all it. And so she's got this file... And she waits until the office is cleared out. 
calls Dwight over to her desk and says, I've been reading Tales of Bravery all day. And she then asks Dwight if he would like to come over that night to read them together. <laughs> They're so weird. And during all the times that she is hearing these recounts of what happened, she is definitely getting a little hot and bothered, if you will. Yeah, she's always sort of flushed in a way. And she's like, oh, oh my, you know, just really weird like Angela is probably a weird suppressed person uh, she takes her religious convictions really seriously and sometimes that can really lead to this sort of like sexual suppression and I definitely think that's what has happened with Angela yes so her and Dwight presumably are going to go bang it out that <laughs> night to tales of Dwight beating up Roy. With pepper spray. With pepper spray, yeah. The other focus of this episode has to do with money. And we start the episode with Jan on a conference call with Michael and Toby. And they are mostly discussing the incident between Dwight and Roy. And Jim. And Jim. But Michael lets it slip that he is going to be talking with Daryl today. Because Daryl wants a raise. And Daryl is using the fact that Roy got fired because he attacked Jim in the office to as leverage for his raise. Right. And so Jan, for some reason, entrusts Michael to take care of that situation. And so Michael prepares himself for this situation by going to Wikipedia and looking up negotiation tactics. And he is going to work through these with Jim just to kind of prep himself up for his negotiation with Daryl. The tactics that he tries are just dumb. The worst one of them is leaning back and talking softly. And Michael does this, like takes this way too literally and leans back and then talks to the point to where you can't understand anything he is saying. And he does try out a couple. He does role play a couple with Jim before having the actual negotiation with Daryl. When Daryl and he are first meeting, when they first get together, Michael tries the tactic of changing the, the location at the last minute. Then he tries the tactic of declining to speak first because that gives you power and control and it makes the other person uncomfortable. The only person uncomfortable in that situation though is Michael. He can't stand the silence and eventually gets to the point in which he has to say, I'm declining to speak first, so that Daryl then starts off the meeting. And Daryl lays out some very good points as to why he should get a raise. Not only the fact that he's picking up for Roy's slack, but since the two branches merged, they've been shipping out more paper than they ever have, presumably with the same number of people that they had in the first place. Yeah, we don't ever get confirmation or the impression that the warehouse crew also increased with the merger. It just seems to be the sales staff. The negotiation is really derailed, though, when Daryl figures out that Michael is wearing a woman's suit. And I think it's probably because the cut 
Um, the cut of the jacket, the buttons go a little bit higher than on a men's yeah, suit. Yeah, it's not very evident if he doesn't have it buttoned. Yeah. Because the lapels overlap in this suit, which does not happen on a men's suit. The lapels are also shorter, I would say, on yeah. this jacket as well. And it does not fit him exactly well, I would say. It's a little ill-fitting. Um, and Michael insists that, no, it's not a woman's suit. He was at some store. There was a bunch of bins that everyone was rifling through, and he just happened to pull this one out, and it fit him. So how could it possibly be a woman's suit? However, the rest of the office points out a lot of aspects of this suit that should have tipped Michael off. First, the lining of the jacket is a hot pink. It's made by the brand Mysterious, M-I-S-S. And the buttons are on the wrong side. Which is, which is the reasoning that Michael says it's mysterious, is yeah. because the buttons were on the wrong side, which is, the, that's the big giveaway in my mind, is that women's suits have buttons on one side, men's have them on the other side. Do you know why that is, Curtis? I don't know that. So the reason why that is, is men's suits have always, and men's clothing have always had buttons, and wealthy men's clothing clothing has always had buttons. And the reason it's on that side is because your valet would dress you, and your valet was most likely right-handed. And so it just oh. made sense for when you were dressing yourself. So then they made women's clothes, and then people didn't have servants who dress them so and they just never changed it it's always been okay well men's buttons are on this side of a dress shirt suit whatever and women's buttons are on the opposite side interesting the suit michael has on also does not have any pockets in the pants it's unclear if there's no pockets in the jackets but that's a pretty common and awful thing with women's clothing is just a lack of usable pockets. The worst thing about clothes is fake pockets. Mm -hmm. You've probably never experienced that. No. But a um, sewed up opening where a pocket should be but is not. Michael's excuse for all of this is that it's a European cut yeah. in that they don't have pockets in Italy. That pretty much derails this first stab at negotiating a raise for Daryl. And Michael says that they'll reschedule. So they, they get back together in the afternoon and Daryl's making his case and Michael's still trying out some weird Wikipedia suggestions for negotiation. And finally it gets to the point where Michael says that Daryl has to write down his number on a piece of paper and slide it across the desk because that's what happens in movies. So Daryl writes down his number, and Michael's like, there's no way that I can give that to you. And Daryl's like, it's just a 10% raise. Like, that's what I deserve here. And that is a pretty good, I mean, that's your kind of your standard starting point, I would think, if you're going for a raise. 10 to 20%. I don't know. I'm not sure. I've honestly never successfully lobbied for a raise. I so. mean, same. Uh but I feel like I don't feel like that was just an a ridiculous request by Daryl. Sure. And Michael mainly says that there's no way that they could give that to him because 
Michael doesn't even make that much. Which tells me that nearly everyone in the branch... Now, also the salesmen are on commission, so we've got that. But all of the salaried employees are sort of bunched together, which could be good and bad. Like, there's not a really wide... Uh, range of salaries but that makes what Daryl's trying to do here difficult then you know if he's trying to negotiate uh, for what he thinks is owed to him given the change of circumstances and his work track record there's a hard cap then there's just nowhere to go Michael admits that he's never gotten a raise in 14 years which is sort of absurd they've really taken advantage of for sure like not even like a cost of living adjustment So then Daryl convinces Michael that he needs to call up Jan and get paid, get himself a raise. Jan, kind of surprisingly, seems open to the idea, but she says that it has to happen in person. So Michael, Daryl, and begrudgingly to Michael, Toby, all head to New York for Michael's raise negotiation. And that's because Jan requires someone a third party and someone from HR to be there given Jan and Michael's relationship. Jan starts the negotiations off very professionally because, well, she's a professional. Yeah. Michael does not have that capability whatsoever. Jan states from the beginning that at no point will our relationship come into play in this negotiation. This is just a business-to-business transaction here. And Michael's like, okay, yeah, sure. And Jan says, we can give you a 6% raise. And Michael's like, how dare you after everything we've been through? And right away, the the facade falls. Yeah, he really goes off the dramatic deep end here. Just, yeah, first sentence, first words out of his mouth. He cannot remember the rules of this negotiation are that their relationship is off limits. This is real awkward for Toby, since he's the one that has to be the witness to all this. At a certain point, Michael threatens to withhold sex from Jan if he doesn't get what he wants. And Toby comments to the camera that this may be the first time a male subordinate has threatened loss of sex to a female superior that really i think is the line of the episode that just that interaction is because when when toby starts making the notes michael's like what are you doing you perv and toby just says just making a note for the deposition and then he goes into this and just mentions like the 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 trial it will just be a very landmark thing when this eventually goes to trial so michael is still going on his rant he's also threatened by jan's new assistant hunter who's just kind of this young guy rightfully so as we will learn later we will learn and eventually jan's like oh my gosh we just need a break michael refuses because that's tactic number eight from wikipedia so jan sends toby from the room and she's like oh my god listen, we can give you a raise. I can give you a 12% raise, which is a huge raise. Yeah. But Michael has to ask for 15 so she can note it, deny it, and then settle on 12. Like she's literally spoon feeding to him how to do this. She is going through, yes, exactly. She is going through how negotiations 
actually work yeah. with Michael. Not bad tactics, yeah. but actual numbers. There's a there's an offer, there's a counter offer, and then from there, either that is accepted or there is another counter offer. That's how negotiation works. Right. And yet Michael somehow, because he is real dumb, just doesn't get it. So he's like, okay, fine, let's play along. And he asks for a 15% raise. And Jan goes, oh, no, sorry, we can't do that. But we can give you a 12% raise. And Michael goes, but wait, you just asked, you just told me to ask you for a 15%. In the end, I think Michael gets the 12% raise. And I think Daryl's able to get probably maybe 8 to 10%, let's say, yeah. off just off of that. So it does seem like everyone walks away happy here. But Michael still continues to crow about the perks of his job and to do it in an inappropriate fashion. Because he tells the camera crew that one of the perks of his job is sex with Jan, which is not a perk of the job. That's just their relationship. So just inappropriate Michael all the way around. The rest of this episode is just kind of tying up some loose ends. We see Roy come in and pick up his check. And he asks... Side note, probably should have just mailed it. Definitely could have happened. To a fired employee. Definitely could have happened. It's in an envelope. It appears to be in a windowed envelope. So it probably even has his address (laughs) right on it. Just narrative convenience. Yes. So Roy comes in, stops at Pam's desk, says, Hey, can we just meet up for some coffee after work? He's got a lot of lot to get off his chest. So Pam agrees. After being reluctant at first. Yeah. And Roy is surprisingly calm in this moment. And just is kind of reflecting on the situation overall. But the best point that he makes is he asks Pam if she is going to go after Jim now. Or is she going to date Jim? And Pam doesn't really know where to go from here. And points out that Jim is dating Karen. Roy is just flabbergasted. He said, you called off our wedding and you're not even going to try to ask this guy out? And he just says he doesn't get her. Pam just doesn't yet have the confidence. She has confidence and clarity enough to know that Roy was not a good idea. And she thought that she was being mature and an adult by getting back together with Roy and now she sees that she was just ignoring a lot of red flags and again letting herself sort of get walked over to what end so Pam's got a lot of self-reflection I mean I guess credit to both of them like their relationship ends with a hug and that's the end of Roy's story this conversation is very much mirroring the conversation that Jim had with Michael during booze cruise in the sense of You just, like, if you feel this strongly about it, you just go for it. And we see Jim act on that advice. And at this point, it is not certain if Pam will do the same. I would also like to point out that Karen has a very interesting one-on-one with the camera in which she says that her reaction when she had heard that Jim and Pam kissed was to have a lot of long top talks with Jim about his feelings. Whereas Roy's reaction to hearing that Pam and Jim had kissed 
was to attack Jim. And Karen really isn't sure which one he hated more. Right. He being Jim. Yeah. Earlier we talked about how Angela was kind of getting off on hearing all these stories about how Dwight stopped Roy and eventually told Dwight that she has the written reports of the event and that they should read them together. This culminates with them making out pretty hard in what they think is an empty office. However, Jim comes out of the bathroom and gets ready to turn into the office and through the windows sees Angela and Dwight kissing. And he goes back into the bathroom and is just very speechless. And he says, I don't know what to do. And then it kind of dawns on him that this is the opportunity he has been looking for. Normally, he would probably use this to hit his advantage in a prank of some sort. But he decides to keep this one to himself and that now he and Dwight are even because of this. So that pretty much does it for the episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. So I'm not sure if anyone has noticed, but Jim's hair is looking a little weird. And that's because in this stretch of season three, he was also filming the movie Leatherheads in which he had to cut his hair. So he's wearing a wig um, for, and I can't recall when it started, um, but he's been wearing a wig for a couple of episodes now. And it's not a great wig, in my opinion. I didn't notice that. And I always assumed, and it's probably... It still works out that way. I always assumed that when he cuts his hair at the end of this season to get for the job interview, that's when he was doing Leatherheads. He had been. And right. so it just sort of like... So eventually they were just yeah. like... He he was probably just like, I'm tired of wearing this wig. Let's get some... For some reason, I have to cut my hair. It has a very reddish color to it, which is not doesn't seem like that's... Uh, John Krasinski's like natural hair color. It's a very interesting wig. As I alluded to in the uh, body of this episode, this is the end of Roy's story arc. He does make a couple of brief appearances in episodes in seasons five, seven, and nine, with the one in uh, season nine being a really interesting stretch to me. So there is a time in this episode where Michael points out the wonders of Wikipedia because anyone can go edit any page at any time and that's how you know you're getting the best information possible. Fans of this show took that to heart and they started editing the negotiation Wikipedia entry so much so that the entry had to be locked into semi-protected mode so that it could no longer be edited uh, by just anybody. Michael Schur wrote this episode. He is one of the showrunners, and he's the showrunner also of Parks and Rec, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and The Good Place. He was nominated for a writing Emmy um, for this episode, which is kind of surprising to me. This is not one of the best episodes, in my opinion, um, but he lost to Greg Daniels for Gay Witch Hunt, which is also not necessarily one of the best, but it is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter, as Curtis said, uh, makes a appearance next season, 
uh, and just a really classic and memorable Office episode. And that's all for the Annex. Curtis, what are our firings for this week? Well, Roy actually does get fired in this episode. Correct. Rightfully so. For trying to fight Jim. It's his second firing this season and his second firing overall. Michael also gets fired for threatening to withhold sex from Jan while negotiating for his salary. Right, in an office setting. Yes. We also see Dwight get fired for macing somebody, but it's not the one that you expect. I would think that his actions against Roy would be justifiable. Sure. However, at the very end of the episode, we see Andy make a return from anger management. On time, just like he did at Cornell. (laughs) And right when Andy walks in the door and says hello to everybody, Dwight pepper sprays him. I didn't love the end of this episode. So this is a supersized episode just by seven minutes. And it seemed like the writers just did a bunch of filler. um, Because part of that filler is Andy's return. Then Dwight macing him. And then Toby making Dwight go around the office and... Um, give up all of his hidden weapons. Yes. So if Dwight doesn't get fired for macing Andy, finding the cache of weapons that he has strewn out around the office, that probably definitely gets him fired. Yeah, because he has some pretty dangerous ones like throwing stars, nunchucks. um, A taser. Yeah. Things that probably just shouldn't be kept in an office setting. I forgot to mention Michael's stats here. Michael's ninth firing this season, his 22nd overall. And Dwight, it's his second firing of this season. It's his sixth overall. Okay. Do you have a Dundee to give out? Uh, Yes. The Dundee for the most subtle diss goes to Daryl. As Toby, Michael, and Daryl are driving to New York City in Daryl's truck, Daryl comments on how he hadn't been to New York City for a while, might catch up with his cousin. You know, maybe he'll stay overnight. Toby inquires, well, how will they get home? Daryl says, he's got a big house. You can stay too. Michael's like, oh, awesome. I'll stay too. Daryl's response to this is, oh, it's not that big though. You'll have to take a bus home. It'll be pretty quick. (laughs) And I think that goes over Michael's head, but it's just... (laughs) <laughs> it's hilarious because Toby's not all that compelling, but really Daryl doesn't mind if Toby tags along. Right. And also, and kind of something that we, I don't know, I, I assume happens at the end of this episode or at the end of this interaction is that Michael just goes home with Jan, so he could probably have just stayed with her. Right. Also true. Stay with your girlfriend that lives in that city. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is the best motivator and that goes to daryl uh just for making michael see that he is woefully underpaid if only by using shame as a tactic he does pump him up to do the negotiation though yes for sure who is your employee of the month i chose dwight because he acted without thinking um And he diffused the situation with pepper spray. Um, But he really stepped in and then really perplexed Jim in a way that we have not seen before. So it really turned the tables on the Jim-Dwight relationship for an episode. 
What about you? Uh, I have Dwight also for all those reasons, but also because he presumably gets laid at that night. So good for him. So that will do it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. Please keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, comment, wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you listening to us, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.